Did you welcome in the Savior's precious name to God's house this special weekend, which is our Harvest Thanksgiving weekend? We're going to worship the Lord as we sing together the hymn 50. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not, as thou hast been, thou forever will be. It's a great hymn at a special weekend like this as we proclaim the faithfulness of our God. Let's sing it with all of our hearts.
sing that final verse again without the music. Tremendous verse reminding us of the pardon that we have and the peace that comes from the Lord through redemption. Pardon for sin and a peace that endures. Our sisters will give us the note and we'll just sing it. As we come to read God's word and pray, let's think about these words. psalm for today is the psalm 41 as we read consecutively through the book of psalms just a short psalm let's read all the verses as we come to seek the lord blessed is he that considereth the poor the lord will deliver him in time of trouble the lord will preserve him and keep him alive And he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast to him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. For thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favourest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. And amen. And it is a good text 
a good psalm. And as we think of the Lord, he is still the Lord God of Israel. And we will be remembering Israel these days in all their turmoil. <coughs> as we pray together, I want you to remember Brother James Wallace. James is in coronary care. He's been there since Thursday. Remember the Lord's servant as we come to seek the Lord just now. And also pray for the land of Israel. We've just returned from a visit to that land. We were not there when this attack took place. Our visit was three days before we moved on. But it was a blessing to go to places like this where many of you have been and where Dr. Douglas has been many a time. And this is a photograph of one of the olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane. They say it may date as far back as the time of Christ. And these trees can live up to 4,000 years. So it's a very old tree. You can see that from uh, the growth of it. And remember, here it was that the Lord sweat great drops of blood. The text is there. Just at the garden from Matthew 26 and 39, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. And what a joy it was later on to visit uh, Golgotha, a familiar sight to so many, and to see the empty tomb. But as we walked through the streets, we couldn't think, help but think of the people there. And this was before the horrific attack. And we're just walking down through the streets of Jerusalem. And we happened to see this family on the wall here behind the, the fence. And we thought of the, the Jewish people with all their need. In blindness and darkness, there's coming a time when the Lord will, will open their eyes to see who the true Messiah is. And then we came across these young girls. There was actually a young army of boys as well, but they were just teenagers, really. And there they were praying in the square just before the Wailing Wall and fully armed, as you can see. And we know that all the reserves have been called up at this time. And maybe even some of these young people are going to be deployed in the situation. So we, we think of these things today. Let's talk to the Lord. Our Father, it is with a sense of our own need that we come to the presence of God today in this time of public worship. We come with all our need and we're ever a needy people. We think of how the previous psalm ended with the thought of David saying, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. And we can certainly say that about ourselves today. There's never a time, any day, but we fit into that category. We're always a needy people, in need of grace, in need of wisdom, in need of power, in need of strength. Even in the physical things, we need the Lord. But we can certainly apply that to the land of Israel at this time, for they are a poor and needy people in the midst of the conflict. And Lord, we're coming to a God who knows the end from the beginning. And though this horrific attack took place unexpectedly, as far as Israel was concerned, nothing happens before the Lord in a sudden way that he doesn't know about. He knows the future of all things. 
And we pray today for this land. We pray for those that mourn, that the Lord will be gracious to them. We pray for those that have been brought into captivity, that you will remember them for good. The situation, humanly speaking, is bleak. But Lord, you're still the God of Israel, and we want to to plead that before the presence of God today. Lord, remember your ancient people. Remember them for good. And Lord, we pray that you will bring them to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, that even through war and conflict, that there will be a seeking of the Lord and a finding of truth, and that blinded eyes will be opened and the scales taken away for them to see the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray that thou wilt remember the land, therefore, and bring the war to an end. Remember our friends from Ukraine as well, as we think of the warring all these months later, and so many lives lost, and so much distress brought to many families, including these people. Lord, we pray that you will bring this war to an end also. We know that war will not completely finish until the Prince of Peace cometh. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We know that when the Lord comes again, peace will be brought to this world. Until then, keep us faithful. Keep us abiding in the presence of the Lord, abiding in Christ himself, walking in the light of truth, burning a bright testimony for the glory of God wherever we are, In the ordinary things of life, wherever the course of life takes us, help us to be that light in a dark place. As the Savior has commanded us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Remember this weekend. We thank you for the meeting last night and in anticipation of the blessing of God now in this service and for your servant who has come to preach the word. And also tonight, O God, we give thee thanks for the harvest weekend, for the ministry of the word which has been declared already, and that which is to come this Sabbath. We cry from our hearts, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us, and make this a day to remember, because the Lord was here. Lord, we pray that Jehovah Shema will be written across our services today. To this end, remember Dr. Douglas as he opens up the word, uh, as he reads divine truth and expounds it to our hearts. Lord, speak to us. We come back to the fact that we're a poor and needy people and we're desperately in need of your word today. A word from God, a message from heaven to every waiting heart. Lord, speak to every individual that's here. Let not one leave the house of God today without knowing they've heard the voice of God. Remember James in hospital. We commit him into your care. We pray that you'll strengthen him and bless him and encourage him and surround the family too with your grace and uphold them by your mercy in these days. And for all others in our church that are sick and laid aside, those that need the special touch of the Lord at this time to to help them through, Lord, be near to them also. Here, these are prayers because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 732, we plough the fields and scatter.
the good seed on the land, but it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. Let's sing it to the glory of God. That's a good hymn of thanksgiving as we come to God's house and we, we acknowledge his mercies to us in another year, giving the harvest. We plow the fields and scatter the good seed on the land, but we're very conscious that it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. It's him that gives the harvest every time. 
in the physical sense and also in the spiritual. Thank you to those that were able to reach the higher, the higher notes there. Uh, some of them I just had to stop singing. A wee bit difficult, but there you go. We worship the Lord. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to the Lord's Day of our harvest service to this worship meeting. And we're glad to see all who've come. If you're a visitor, we may have some visitors here. We bid you a very warm word of welcome. And uh, we want to thank Diane and the team for the, the lovely job that they've done. I was able to get some photographs as we were uh, traveling home or having our last day yesterday on holiday of the church so beautifully and tastefully decorated. So those that came in and those that provided uh, the fruit, the vegetables, the flowers and everything that you see, we thank you sincerely. It encourages us, it brightens our day up and uh, it reminds us that God is good and God is faithful. Now tonight, the Reverend Garth Wilson will be the preacher and our choir will be singing, so please remember them as they come and sing. Later on in the service, we're going to hear from the choir and we look forward to their ministry tonight and we thank them for last night and for our brother Greer that was with us as he sang and preached the word. <coughs> now, we have our supper tonight, and ladies, if you can bring three quarters of a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, that would be great. We appreciate you rising to the occasion every time. Tomorrow morning, the Hebron Tots meets at 10 o'clock. In the evening of Monday, it's the Sunday School Teachers Prayer Meeting at 8 p.m. And just remember us on Tuesday, it's the school's ministry again and the William Pinkerton Memorial uh, School in Dervick is the place that we'll be in. And it's good to see these schools opening. Uh, Dalriada has been added to the list for SU. Uh, so that, that's tremendous. That gets us into about 14 of the schools in this area. Tuesday night is the Youth Challenge. It is now recommenced. We encourage you to do what you can uh, by way of prayer and by way of encouragement to children that you know to bring them in under the sound of the word. This is an outreach ministry and we support it with all of our hearts. Thursday night at the midweek, our brother Greg will be bringing the word. There's a few Thursday nights that I'll be involved in the Christian Workers Training Academy taking place this term in Tandragee. So remember us as we travel there to give the lectures and remember our brother Greg as he comes to preach here. Friday night, the Youth Fellowship will be having the evening of prayer in Ballymena and the buses are leaving the church at 7.40 p.m. And we could put in the word sharp there, punctually, getting off down to Ballymena for the night of prayer. We've been asked to mention that Rishargan is having a gospel mission it commences today and uh, continues until Sunday the 15th for a week. And if you're free during any of the nights this week at 8 o'clock, you'd be made most welcome. Do you remember next Lord's Day, the early time of prayer, 8 o'clock, the Sunday school at 10.30, and the Bible class at a quarter to 11, and Mr. Stephen Fletcher will be speaking in the Bible class next Sabbath. Worship service, 12 noon, I'll be here to preach the word in the will of God. Uh, likewise, at the evening service at 7, 
our meetings are preceded by half an hour of prayer. I'd like you to come in at 6.30 on a Sunday night and to pray with us as we seek the Lord and plead with God on behalf of our own service particularly, but the country where we live and the great need for God to move. We continue to pray for the needy of the church. Please remember them, each one before the throne of grace. And remember the land of Ukraine. Our hearts are one with them in all the devastation there. We were able to listen in as we sat in an airport last night to the service last evening. We heard most of what took place. And it was good to see those who came and our brother Greer who sang and our own choir who sang also and for the preaching of the word. Very interested as I, I viewed this on Facebook that I saw people watching from Uganda, Chile, India, Argentina and Mexico. So the word is going out to many places in the world, even on a Saturday night. I want to thank those who came in last Monday and uh, packed the second pallet, and that's two pallets that have been shipped now over to Romania. And this was a delightful picture to be given this morning. It was sent to me from Pastor Claudio over in Multivanoa. And this is Florica. Some of you have met Florica and her family. And that's them all ready, uh, being transported to go to church. And she found the Lord, as you know, just a couple of months ago. And she's been bringing her family every week to the house of God. And that delights our hearts. We bring our tithes and offerings into God's house and remember it's building fund, especially over the harvest weekend. It's one of the times that we lay emphasis on the building fund. Please give as the Lord lays upon your heart. And as we bring our offering in, we sing together 733. Oh, where are the reapers that garner in the sheaves of the good from the fields of sin? The sickles of truth must the work be done and no one may rest tell the harvest home. So there is a challenge here to God's people. Where are the reapers? Who will come? Who will share in the great harvest that needs to be gathered in? Every one of you, I trust, every single child of God has a work to do. You're part of God's uh, program, if you want to put it that way. You're part of the body of Christ. And as such, you all have responsibility and a function May the Lord help us to be up and doing in days of darkness and to be part of the gathering in of God's harvest. We'll keep our seats for the opening part of the hymn.
who will help us? I trust that many of you will be serving the Lord with diligence and faithfulness in these days. So glad for the choir to be able to participate during the harvest weekend. We're going to ask the Hebron choir to come now and minister in song.
take their place let me thank them in the Saviour's name. It's always a joy to listen to our choir and for those beautiful pieces that they've brought uh, full of challenge. May the Lord make them a real blessing to all of us that are here. It's a delight for me personally to welcome to our pulpit again Dr. John Douglas comes every year to the harvest service and he's been doing that for a very long time now. I sat in Bible college when he was the principal of the college and we learned so much from him in our Bible studies and so much about the land of Israel that gave us a love for that country and brother it's a delight to have you in Hebron this morning since he was here last year something really remarkable happened in his life he had a very very significant birthday you know in, in the Psalm 90 it talks about three score years and ten well, if you put it four score years and ten, he reached that marvellous age. And I know when you come, when he comes to the pulpit and you look at him, you'll say he doesn't look like 90 at all. But brother, it's good to have you. We're looking forward to the word and we'll ask you to come now and just preach what's in your heart. Thank you. Let us all turn together to the Word of God. We're going to read today from the first book of Samuel and the chapter 12. It's a privilege to be here. I rejoice to meet ever so many in the congregation personally known to me, and we have fond memories in days gone by of those times we have shared together. And just today, it's a joy to be here for your harvest services. I'd like to thank your minister for his kind words of welcome, and it's lovely to see him back again, and to know that the friends who have been away, uh, naturally will think of Israel having paid visits there once more to the land of promise. On one hand, we're thankful that everyone connected with the crews among our friends just were removed by the gracious hand of God before 
those troubles descended upon Israel, but naturally you will pray as the psalm urges us to do, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Israel surrounded by enemies who have sworn in their bitterness and wrath to remove Israel from the land. They have no place for Israel, no place for Israel on earth, to say the truth of it. It's only in the mercy of God, which explains the existence of Israel to this day. The situation is very, very, very vexing, and we feel for all who are afflicted in the land, and especially for those whose loved ones have been abducted. And they are in special danger. We would pray for them that somehow the Lord might get them out of there and restore them again to their loved ones, to their families. So we have much to thank the Lord for, but at the same time, we will petition the Lord for His ancient people, Israel, that the Lord might turn the tide against the enemy, cause them to overstep the mark, and even militarily give guidance to Israel at this time and help to them in the conflict that they never desired. Oh, there's a great day coming for Israel, and we will get to say a word about that in a moment or two. But as we reflect on these things, we can't help but say it's a burden pressing down upon our hearts. We're going to read about Israel here, 1 Samuel chapter 12 picking out a selection from the chapter, beginning at verse 6. Verse Samuel 12 and verse 6 to begin with, and maybe you'll put a marker in the place so that if we do make reference elsewhere in Scripture, we'll be able to get back again quite easily to 1 Samuel 12. Verse 6. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord, of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried, in the sense is they cried out. They cried out with all their heart and soul. So the word cried appears advisedly here in the chapter. Your fathers cried. They cried out in anguish unto the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt. Still the same God today who answers the cry of his people. 
that he brought the fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the hosts of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Verse 9, Samuel is conducting the people very quickly uh, through the history that's described in the book of Judges. There's mention being made of, of Sisera, uh, then the Philistines, after that the Moabites, and it's one battle after another, a succession of battles. It's just like modern days here when we read of ancient times. It's just like modern days, one conflict after another, a conflict here in this part of the country, and then yonder in that part of the country, and all around their borders from their enemy, and they fought against them. And again we come to that word cried, verse 10. As I remind you, it means to cry out, to cry out with heart and soul, to cry out with anguish, Unto the Lord. Maybe in prayer today or tomorrow or the next day, we may be able to cry with more passion, more burden of heart unto God ourselves. And they cried, let me just read it, cried out, and they cried out unto the Lord and said, We have sinned. Because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. Here, uh, these pagan gods are mentioned in the plural as if to suggest the worship of these pagan gods is all over the place in the land of Israel. It's not just in one shrine here or one shrine yonder, but all over the place. And so, reference is made to these idols in the plural both times, Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now, deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. Did you ever reach a time like that in your life? Time of such crisis, God had to step in. God had to send deliverance. It was a now or never situation. The cry ascended into high heaven and God answered prayer. And you can see uh, some detail here, not the entire history obviously, but little details that really matter. What God did in those times of emergency. Verse 11, And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Badan and Jephthah and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwell safe. God can do that again. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, he said unto me, Nay, 
but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, behold the king whom ye have chosen, and whom ye have desired, and behold the Lord hath set a king over you. If ye will fear the Lord and serve him, and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye, and also the king that reigneth over you, continue following the Lord your God. And if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing, which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, although there was displeasure, although there was the chastening hand of God there that day, isn't it marvelous to see that still there's comfort as well? There's the throne of grace for you in the time of need. Fear not. Ye have done all this wickedness, yet... Turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. I just end with this wonderful word of comfort. On top of everything else, the trials that come, the tears that are shed, the burdens that are borne, there is this one great truth above all else, which, with, with which I conclude the reading. But the Lord will not forsake his people. 
were his great namesake. Because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. We've only read part of the chapter. What a chapter this is. I need help today to talk about some aspects of what we have in front of us here real, really need help from God. And I ask you for your prayers. Let me read from verse 17, because this is where we're going to focus our thoughts. In the beginning of verse 17 there, is it not wheat harvest today? These words in mind, let's just bow briefly in prayer. We'll ask for the Lord to come by. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you so felt the presence of the Lord just now that it would be almost like saying, do you know the Lord just came by himself and sat down in the seat beside me? But that's the kind of service we desire just now. Lord, our hearts cry out for Thee. We're so comforted and helped reading through the circumstances here in this chapter for all their sins and feelings, for their waywardness and willfulness even. How that still as the reading came to a close, we were comforted to know the Lord had not forsaken his people, and therefore he had not forgotten them. And it pleased the Lord to begin with, to make them his people. And therefore, because of that wonderful transaction that saw us brought out of darkness into light, turning us from sin and Satan unto God, because now today ever so many in this gathering can say, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, grant encouragement, powerful encouragement. We pray that if any one is backslidden, cold in heart, far away from God even, Lord, may the tender drawings of the Holy Spirit be sensed again. Perhaps someone unconverted, having listened to the message many and many a time. Lord, bring the wandering one to the Savior this day. Grant to this preacher now the infilling of the Holy Spirit and help from heaven. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is, it's the verse 17 there. Is it not wheat harvest today? The question is asked by Samuel, and I want you to look at this question and think about its setting in the chapter. And Samuel speaks of the wheat harvest 
he's talking about the height of summer, about that time which would correspond to the middle of June in our calendar. The wheat harvest began on a given day. It wasn't just uh, some season of the year that was associated with the harvest, but the wheat harvest in Israel began exactly 50 days after the Passover. And as for the question itself, is it not wheat harvest today? The answer is yes, of course it is. It's hardly necessary then with all these details that I have set out before you It's hardly necessary to go over the point and say, yes, it is, it is, it is the wheat harvest today. Everybody standing in that vast assembly, listening to Samuel the prophet, going away back now into ancient time, every man, woman, and child standing there that day knew perfectly well it was the wheat harvest that day. But then... This day of wheat harvest is going to be different, totally different to any day for the wheat harvest prior to this. If we could go back through time, if the Lord suddenly enabled us to do that, and to have the power of communication with the people, they say to the oldest man there, after the day's proceedings described in 1 Samuel 12 are over, they say to this old man, just go back over the years in your memories of all the wheat harvest uh, occasions that you have witnessed. Go you back through the years. And how does today's wheat harvest compare with what you have known throughout the years of a very long lifetime. He would say, without hesitation, I've never seen the like of it. Never seen the like of it in my time. And that's because Samuel will pray on this occasion, and God will answer. And God will send the fiercest storm that those people ever saw with thunder and lightning, with torrential rain that came down upon the harvest fields, destroying the harvest, washing the harvest away in so many parts of the country. And sure enough, As Samuel prays, almost at once, a stillness fell on that gathering. The atmosphere changed. The temperature dropped. And those black clouds rolled across the horizon. And then the thunder came, getting ever louder by the minute, until directly overhead. It was deafening and terrifying. The people felt themselves... They were really in danger and have concerns that they might die in the thunderstorm. You see, it was just as Samuel had said. 
The storm broke. The rains came. The flood waters rose. The wheat harvest was ruined. Having said all that, are there any lessons for us to learn from this narrative? Lessons for us today as we look at these verses? There are. Number one would have to be that the weather patterns, the weather patterns for this earth are in the hand of God. That lesson comes through when you think of it. That lesson comes through with great power in this passage because the Lord can change the weather in a moment of time. God's not put about by the rotation of the seasons as we know them. He's not handcuffed by nature. He can send snow in the middle of July if he so purposed to do it. In Israel, it was unthinkable for the rain to come and wheat harvest. I could almost use the word impossible. With your permission, I think I could. And in a manner of speaking, it was just impossible, given the thinking of the people, for wheat harvest, the middle of the summer in Israel. Now, in Northern Ireland, it would be a different thing entirely. If you think of the middle of June, you could expect almost anything in the way of the weather. You could have lovely sunshine in June. Just the best of summer. On the other hand, you could have great storms. And I remember more than one month of June in my past when I thought these storms are really wild. So June in Northern Ireland can bring you almost anything in the way of what the weather holds. But not in Israel, where year after year, The skies are a brilliant blue. Sun's shining. It's really hot. It's the best of summer. There's no such thing, really, as to say it might rain today or there might be a storm. No, no, it's unthinkable that there could be a storm. So, it is God's doing when against what we'll call the run of nature. This fierce storm should break upon the people in Israel. The weather patterns for this earth are in the hand of God. We have people today who are making a lot of noise about global warming. And they're very vocal in spreading their message. But it seems to me, I can't judge their hearts, but it seems to me, however, that they leave God out of the reckoning. It's right, true enough, that we should respect the earth and the environment as God's creation. But ever so many of these people seem to have no thought of God 
there's never any mention, at least in what I have been able to read or learn about them, never a thought about praying and asking God to step in. For God hears prayer, God answers prayer. And all the way through the Bible, we can see how this is God's creation. Turn to Genesis 1, and this is about the easiest chapter to find in the Bible. That's not a coincidence. If it is the easiest chapter in the Bible, because here we learn of God's handiwork and creation. And if the people I described just now, if they have an agenda without God, an agenda without the Bible, they're making a dreadful mistake. Because this world is preeminently God's creation. In the beginning, who is there here who's not familiar with verse 1 of Genesis? The first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you run your eye right down the chapter there a little further. Say verse 11, for example. And God said, let the earth bring forth. Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree. Three areas, three classes of vegetation. For God is creating the earth with purpose. And his purpose is to create a habitation for man. Isaiah 45 and 18. And if he will create this earth as a habitation for man, then it's a fit, a beautiful habitation. Let the earth bring forth grass and so on. I have to say here that the earth did not produce vegetation itself. If we speak of the earth and its environment and so on, what we see in the earth here is not just here by coincidence, but in keeping with the purpose of God and let the earth bring forth. If God had not said that, there would never have been a blade of grass, never a flower, never a fruit tree on the face of this earth. This world of ours would have been hanging there in space just quite like the moon, barren and stark and desolate with dust and stone. It's God and his creative power who, who makes the difference. Let the earth bring forth. And today the produce of the harvest is very much in our thoughts, and we thank the Lord for his loving kindness and his faithful, faithfulness still. You see, God provided for man before man came on the earth. In verse 14, 
You have the creation of those great luminaries in the heavens. God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Yeah, certainly that would be the purpose in creating the sun and the moon and the stars to differentiate between light and darkness, between day and night. Will you notice this in verse 14? Four things. Primarily in the mind of the Creator. They're there. The sun, moon, and stars are there for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. The first thing that said... is that they're there for signs. Now, some of God's people believe that there is enough evidence already, and I haven't time to speak about the stars, I'd have to forgo that, but let us say there are some, some believe already, and I can't disagree with them, that the signs are there in the sun, the moon, the stars, God's creative handiwork and his loving care for mankind. I believe those signs that are spoken of here really belong to the end time for all that. Let us gather our thoughts, if we can, about 1 Samuel 12 and the question. Is it not wheat harvest today? There, the weather that came was in the plan of God. And the thought is, too, is the evidence of God answering prayer. And certainly, the wind and the waves obey Him. The sense is the wind and the waves obey Him still, and we can call upon God when we pass through difficult times. And I can't enlarge in this. But suffice to say, the people feel a sense of sin. They feel that they have forsaken the Lord, and they're saying, actually, oh, pray for us. Do not cease to pray. It's a terrible thing to stop praying. And Samuel assures them that he will do no such thing. He will keep them on his prayer list. God forbid, he says that I should cease to pray for you in spite of your feelings and your sins, your departure from God. God forbid that I should cease to pray. Can I stop for a moment and ask, are there some here who have ceased to pray? Could it be that in the past six months, as a child of God now, and one who's reasonably healthy, Yet you haven't come near the prayer meeting. Could there be neglect of the means of grace? Could it be that you haven't given as much attention to the Lord, to the Bible, to prayer? <coughs> Could it be said, in some sense, that you have ceased? Now, that's a sin. Samuel says that he would sin if he stopped praying for them. And we need to pray for Israel today, even as a nation. Never mind for God's people, redeemed by precious blood. And the last thing 
I want to say about our question today, is it not wheat harvest today? It reminds us that the weather patterns for this earth are in the hand of God. God sent the storm. Just as at other times he he sent the sunshine. It's apparent too that the storm came and Samuel prayed and God answers prayer. And I think that there is a foreshadowing of things to come because the sun, the moon, and the stars, they're there for signs. Could I ask you to turn to Luke chapter 21? Will you allow me just to run quickly down through the verses I select? I'm talking about the last days of this age. The words of our Savior are so plain. Surely you can't miss the message. Look at verse 9. When you shall hear of wars and commotions, you could be terrified. You could be deeply distressed, especially if that war was threatening to your locality. The Lord is saying here, be not terrified, for these things must first come. There is an order for the events of the last days of this age. And some things have to come first. They must come first. The wars, the commotions, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. My many believers think Luke 21 is all about A.D. 70 and the destruction of Jerusalem. And there are some things here in the chapter that make us think of the destruction of Jerusalem but in A.D. 70, but primarily the Lord is speaking about the end time. Because I make the point, the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 was terrible and terrifying. But it was local. What we're reading here in the main, in Luke chapter 21, is international or universal. It's worldwide. Wars, commotions. Nation rising against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. These things are distressing. Verse 11, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. There were people living in these islands way back in A.D. 70, living, as far as I know, in very primitive conditions. But they didn't know a thing about the destruction of Jerusalem. They were living through that period as as I describe it, the destruction of Jerusalem is local. What the Lord's talking about here is universal. The nations will know about it. 
the earth will know about it. This verse 11 is startling. Great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and signs shall there be from heaven. We haven't seen anything of that yet. But as surely as you're here in this building, as surely as the Lord has spoken to his saints and has given clearest warning, you may know that those great heavenly bodies that we learned about in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, that the first thing in that list of four uh, assertions, the first thing, they're there for signs. And there shall be fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. And then I go on down further in the chapter to verse 24, the latter part of verse 24, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. We're living today in the times of the Gentiles. The Gentiles have control of the greater part of the earth. And those times shall come to a conclusion. And now we come back to that word again, verse 25. Do you see it? There shall be signs. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. I have to take these descriptions as literal. That upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. That's not global warming. No, no, that's not global warming. That's the hand of God in judgment. Men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then, how the best is yet to be, they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. That's the Shekinah cloud. The cloud of glory with power and great glory. Let me round off my remarks by taking verse 28. When these things, remember, men's hearts failing them for fear, the nations with perplexity, anticipating what the future holds in store for them. That's not the lot of the believer. The child of God has something positive and uplifting for you. Verse 28, when these things begin, there's a string of events in his mind. When they begin to come to pass, what is the child of God to do? Ah, the Lord says, look up, glory to God. We can't do that, even though the Lord commands it. 
We can't do that in our own strength. But if the Lord gives us grace and victory, we will. We'll do as he says. Look up and lift up your heads. There it is. Look up. Lift up. Your redemption draweth nigh. That's a reference to the resurrection of the body of the believer. Your redemption draweth nigh. I may as well call that listen up, just to suit the references here. Look up. Lift up. Listen up. Your redemption draweth nigh. That great day that the choir sang about today, that was a word from God, wasn't it? It stirred my heart, and I was blessed by the singing. Really good. Thank you for that. But the message you sang at the start was all about the Lord's coming. Best of all, with the assurance and the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. Do you know the Lord? If you do, you can say with perfect assurance, and the role that's called up yonder, I'll be there. If the Lord's speaking to you, don't go away without speaking to Mr. Park or the elders or even myself or another Christian friend. Be clear about these things. You need to know how you stand with God. May the Lord bless you today. Mr. Park is going to come and close the service. Thank you, Mr. Douglas, for the message. May the Lord help us to look up in these days and hasten towards the coming of the Savior. Maybe just a verse of the closing hymn. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother? In the morning bright and fair, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heat of the noonday's glare? We'll just sing one verse, and we will bow in prayer and just dismiss the meeting then. we thank you as we come to the end of this service that our God is in control of all things. He's in control of the seasons, the weather, everything around us. And we thank you that he's in control of our lives too. Help us to labor for the master from the dawn to the setting sun and to keep our eye on the great day, that great day that is to come. And may everyone here have that assurance of heart 
when the roll is called up yonder, they'll be able to say, I'll be there. Dismiss us now in your fear, with your love. We pray that you'll keep us through the afternoon and help us to think upon these things that we've heard today. May they continue to be a blessing for